In this episode, we wait out there with Rob Griggs from Boise, Idaho. Rob's fly fishing journey has taken him from Tennessee to Colorado to Idaho, where he still lives today. He started guiding in Colorado after attending a guide school to improve his skills and continued guiding after the move to Boise. We discuss how the ego presents itself in fly fishing, the Boise River, and why keeping fly fishing fun might just catch you more fish. Welcome to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Shemchuk. At Wade Out There, we believe fly fishing is special, but not elite, and that anyone can become a great fly fisher if they are willing to go, learn, and teach. Join me as I talk with other fly fishermen and women about their unique journeys into fly fishing, the rivers they fish, and the tactics and philosophies they practice. For those who can never leave the river in their hearts, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make the memories that keep us all coming back to wait out there. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for being on the Wait Out There podcast. Well, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. We talked a little bit about this before the show, but uh, I used to live in Boise for about six months before I went to pilot training. Well, come on and my back. Parents, I know. My parents live there now, so I should. I have lots of reasons to come visit. I've, I've fished the Boise River a little bit and, and driven around that area, but uh, my fondest memories of Boise is where I learned to fly airplanes. I got my private pilot's license there at Gowan Field. And uh, yeah, that was it was a big influence in why I wanted to go A-10s too, is because there's the guard unit there and they used to taxi by and wave. And so, yeah, I just, I love that area. I love that, uh, the Boise River, and I'm excited to talk to you about it. Well, first of all, I got to say, uh, I wish I had known you back then because I would have been trying to hit you up to get a free ride in one of those A-10s. Those are my favorite, man. I love They're only one-seaters, Rob. Only oh, one no kidding. Ah, oh, man. First well, ride we, solo, man. Oh, uh, well, I don't know if I could do that then. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to shoot the Gatling guns, man. To yeah, be honest yeah. With you. <laughs> that's no, pretty that's cool, cool, though. But that's you haven't cool. always been in Boise, right? You moved there from Colorado. Um, when did you make the move out there? Uh, so we moved from, I'll start at the beginning. We moved from Tennessee to Colorado in 2001 and we lived in just right south of Denver in Littleton uh, from 2001 to 2017. And so we've been here since then and uh, really enjoyed the slower lifestyle. Denver, when we first moved there was super fun. Now it's it's a big traffic and uh, kind of fight your way in onto some of the tailwaters there. But uh it's it's been a great time since we've been here. My whole family, my kids, everybody loves it. I love it too. So it's it's a nice change. Nice change. Slower. Oh, good for you, man. Congratulations. I think that's awesome. 2017. So that's not too long ago. My wife's from Aurora, Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I went to school out in Colorado too, so I know I know about what you're talking about. I'll just yes. put it at I'll put it at that. Like, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely a, a lot more now that fly fishing has got so uh, where people want to just do it, especially when COVID hit. I think uh, a lot more people started fly fishing, so it's it's gotten a lot more crowded on the water down there. I've been back yeah. a few times and have been shocked uh, in the on the South Platte, and I'm like, whoa, there was a lot of people before, but now there's really a lot of people. So it's pretty crazy. Were you guiding out there before too, before you went to Boise? 
Yes, I was. Uh, I've worked, I uh, actually owned my own outfitter out there. So uh, I mostly did private water because the the rivers were so, so many people, which I like. That means people are actually taking an interest in the sport. And uh, it was great, but it was like, man, if you're not there by a certain time in the morning, you're not going to get your spot for your clients. And so uh, uh, it definitely was better to be on private water. I went and did guide school there in 2008 uh, and pretty much have been guiding since then. And Oh, you went to a guide school proper? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, went to a guide school and, and uh, that was in Avon, Colorado. And I didn't go to it to become a guide. I went to it to become a better fly fisherman and uh, took to it super great. The class was about eight, nine days, I think. I can't remember. It was a longer time and I learned so much. And once the guide school was over, they use it to try to get guides on their roster for that shop. And they offered me a job and I kind of threw it out to the wife and she was like, well, you should you should check it out. So your uh, wife was like, Hey, I, I thought you were a, a professional rodeo bullfighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She definitely. Tell me that uh, story, man. How did it go from bullfighter to fly fisher? So what, did that, was that a conscious decision? <laughs> that was a, uh, I'm tougher than the world decision. That was right when I met my wife and uh, we had gone on like two dates and, uh, I told her, I was like, Hey, uh, I'm going to go and be a bullfighter. And she's like, you're crazy. You're crazy. So I went in the very first day, uh, we get there and they divide us up to guys that want to learn how to bull ride and bullfighters. And there was about 50 of us (laughs) and 49 of them walked over to learn how to ride the bulls. And I was the only guy that wanted to do the bullfighting. Where is this? Like, where do they have this kind of class or whatever this is. Is this back in Tennessee or Colorado? It was in Tennessee. Yeah. In Pleasantville, Tennessee. And needless to say, I, uh, I did good for about the first five or six hours. And, uh, I was trying to get one of the bulls back in the chute and it said, I'm not going in there. And it hooked me in my arm and I had a Kevlar vest on. That's the only thing I saved my life and a horn in the chest. And, I had a busted up mouth, two black eyes. I come back uh, from the the school. I did not graduate. So that was the ending of it right there. I went to the hospital. And Five stayed. hours of bullfighter. That's it. That's uh, retirement age after that. And so uh, after that, I came back and my wife now, but at the time when I was dating her, she was like, oh my goodness, I don't know. You're, you're a little too crazy. And my buddies, I was a bartender at that time, just made fun of me all the time. Their their people would come over and be like, what happened to your face? And I was like, oh man, a bullfighting. And they're like, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Why did you say, want to do that? Just because it's, you know, whatever, just going to go do exciting things when you're that age, I guess. I thought that uh, I could make a run for it. And uh, $50 a day is a lot of money when you're when you're back in, you know, 22 years old, <laughs> so yeah, back okay. in the nineties. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, man, that looks super cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And it didn't work out in my favor. And so luckily I was still, uh, I still had insurance and, and uh, from my mom and dad and, and the hospital was like, yeah, I think you should not do this anymore. They said, so, I think you should 
try pick up fly fishing. Yeah, they well at that point I still I started fly fishing in 92 and that was in 96 when that happened. So I kind of was like, yeah, I should find something a little bit safer to do instead. So you're already fly fishing. Yeah, at that point. Okay. Instead of getting hooked by a bull, I should just drown in the river. So that was the a better alternative. <laughs> so That sounds good. So you're fly fishing out there and um move out to Colorado and doing the school. Um, it sounds like the school was a great experience for you. Would you recommend that to people that, um, just want to become better anglers or just for guides or what, what's your thoughts on that type of experience? You know, so the experience I had at the guide school and a lot of people, uh, they're like, Oh, it must be nice. You go to a guide school, you know, and I hear that (laughs) all the time, but I got to tell you, it laid the foundation to this day of the way I guide. And so, uh, I would highly suggest everyone that is wanting to become a better fly fisherman or wanting to become yeah. a guide to do it. Uh, I, I meet a lot of new, new guides that this is their first season or whatever. And they, they kind of have a grasp of what's going on, but if, if you're not on the roster and the top tier of the roster to work every day, it's kind of hard to get people to to help you out. And so uh, if you go to guide school, you're going to have a little bit of grasp of what it's like to be a fly fishing guide. And uh, even if you don't want to be a guide, you're going to learn so much from the entomology to the knot tying on how to wade safely in the water or how to net a fish properly. I mean, all that is skills that I have learned and, and hopefully, I don't think I can say I perfected it, but I feel like I stand up higher than most normal fishermen that are out there. And I love to help anybody, anybody that goes fishing with me, they'll tell you, Hey, I love fishing with Rob because he, he helps me instead of just being like all high and mighty. Cause he's a guide. He, they're like, Hey man, you know what? I'm actually learning stuff and hanging out with Rob and we're laughing and cutting up and, and it's a, it's a fun time. And that's what I look at it is, is like, Hey man, I have developed a skill let me share this. No use of me trying to keep it from everybody. That's not yeah. anything to do. So, yeah, I've not heard anybody say any bad things about it. I, I can imagine there there might be certain ones that are better than others or worse than others. Um, but I really have only heard positive things about it. Maybe it's something that I've certainly thought about doing in the future. You uh, should totally do it. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's an ego thing. You know, when I, when you first go in there, you're super intimidated. I was, I didn't know a single person in there and, yeah. uh, and there was probably 30, 40 of us in there. And every one of them was like, I'm the baddest fly fisherman in Colorado. And I'm like, I'm just <laughs> here to kind of learn. And there's a lot of it. egos in there, huh? It's, Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's so, funny. That's really funny. Yeah. That's uh that reminds me of, uh, when I was working at a shop in Colorado, I was the head guide and, uh, we had this big white marker board and, uh, ev- I wrote at the top of the, of the board cause it had our schedules and everything on it. And I said, we are fly fishing guides, not gods ego. <laughs> and I put a big check beside it. So that way these guys, when they come in and, you know, we'd have our, weekly or monthly guide meeting, uh, they would see that in there. I mean, we're not saving anybody's life. We're not doing heart surgery. We're taking people fishing. That's, that's what we're doing. And so, well, it's, yeah, it's a special thing for a lot of people, but I understand what you're saying. What do you talk about in a guide meeting? What goes on in a guide meeting? Uh, guide the- meetings kind of consists of, Hey, what 
happen this week or this month or however, whenever you have your guide meeting, uh, you know, what can we improve on? Was there problems with scheduling? Was there, you know, is there a client that uh, was like super awesome and you're like, man, I want to make sure we send an email or a Christmas yeah. card or whatever to them. That way we can get return clients uh, back in. Okay. And then we also talk about problems. Hey, you know, the shuttle driver, this, or, you know, this guide was interfering on low holing me or high holing me, whatever. And uh, at the end of the day, we're all on a team. It doesn't matter if you're working for this shop and you see some other guides on the water, they're still on your team. So if you respect them, you hope that the respect will go through the, through everybody in the fly fishing community. And yeah. That's, it's kind of like everybody's on the same water. We're doing the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. We're all kind of invested in this thing together. That's right. right. Just That's all the way down to the resources and the fish, but then take it up to the business and the the other side of it too. And sure. And just the space on the river, even you know. Yes, and you know, I mean, the the inside joke is all fly fishing guides hate all other fly fishing guides, <laughs> but we're super nice to each other when there's clients around, kind of thing. But I try not to get into that drama. It's it's uh it definitely can suck you in but at the end of the day if i was on a guide trip and a normal person that's just fishing sees that we're catching fish i love it when they come over and go hey man uh can you look at my bugs is this the right stuff and i am quick to go hey man i'm at work but sure man you know change this or you're too deep or you know i'm i'm all about helping anybody i don't i don't really mind too much and and i think that's the way all guides should be and actually that's the way every fly fisherman that's on the water should be uh, towards other fly fishermen and anybody else who's enjoying the river. I mean, I know there's a, there's a, a deal between the spin fisherman and fly fisherman. And I'm just like, Hey, if he's asking questions about fly fishing, he spins fish, maybe he'll book me on a trip or, Hey, maybe he might go to the local fly shop and buy stuff and get into fly fishing. So I definitely, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I uh, I know about egos definitely from my previous line of work. The joke oh, was I couldn't even imagine. Uh, <laughs> how do you? Uh, how can you tell if uh, someone's a fighter pilot? Um, I would think the jumpsuit. That would he'll be tell you. First. He'll tell you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's uh, super funny. Yeah. all right, man. And, Let's talk. And you know, uh, real quick on that. Real quick yeah, on yeah. that. You can definitely tell the guys that are newer fly fishing guides because they're the same way. I never tell anybody that I'm a fly fishing guide, especially if I'm going into a shop and I book fly fishing guides when I'm going out of town or whatever. I never tell them. I, it's it's just like it's not that I I want to you know, beat my own horn, but, uh, I just don't say anything to them. I want them to be like, Hey, I want to do this trip or I don't need everybody finding out if they ask me then. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm a fly fishing guide in Idaho. I don't, I don't yeah. try to tell everybody, but the newer guides definitely do. And I get it. I was there. Uh, you're super proud. It's hard work. It's, it's, it's something to feel special about. And I don't knock any of the new guides that are coming in for that at all. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I want to talk more about your local waters in the fishery, but I think I want to stay on this subject that we're, that we're going into. And, uh, you know, I read something that you wrote, it's kind of like a blog post when you moved to Boise. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to read something from, uh, yeah, no worries. from what you wrote. Um, 
this is uh you're talking about when you move to Boise and going to find a fly shop, right? So you say I thought I would take the opportunity to take a look at what they have and pick their brain on what bugs I should start with on the Boise River. I have been in and out of fly shops since I started my obsession with fly fishing in 1992. It's always a little intimidating to walk into a new fly shop still to this day, especially when you're new to the area and you really don't know much about the fishing there. I just wanted to make a good impression on them and hoped I would be, wouldn't be a burden of questions pestering them to know all their secret spots that they have found after fishing it for years. All right. So I want to talk about this with you, man. I mean, I think that's cool. I I think it's interesting that even, um, after you've been guiding for quite a while, uh, out in Colorado, you moved to a new place, you're saying you're feeling a little intimidated. And so the reason I think that's interesting is because I want to know what it is about fly fishing uh, or I want to know what your opinion is about what it is in fly fishing that makes it intimidating like that, because it's obviously not an experience thing. If, if you're feeling that way and maybe not everybody that's experienced feels that way, but you know, certainly if you're new to fly fishing, I can understand like a little bit of intimidation, but what is it about that, that experience that you think, um, is just kind of unique? So that's a great question. And with that, we got to go way back. <laughs> uh, we're going to go <laughs> Let's back do it. To, let's go all the way back. Let's go back. So uh, when I first learned how to fly fish, when I was trying to learn how to fly fish in 92, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the internet where I could pull up, uh, you know, how to roll cast or how to rig up, you know, flies. So all the knowledge that I got was either from the local library Anybody that I knew that fly fish, which was usually older cats that, uh, you know, had been doing it for a while and learned it or from the fly shop. And at that point, there was a local fly shop that was kind of close to my house. And back then, the guides that I didn't know any of them, they would come into the shop and I would just be like, oh my goodness, that's a guide. That's a guide. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I wouldn't ever say anything, but they'd be in there at the end of their trip. And it was always intimidating because I knew that, uh, these guys knew exactly what I was trying to do. They knew that I was trying to catch fish. And I'm like this 18 year old kid in there. That's just still in high school. And, uh, it was always nervous. And for some reason that has kind of kept me to this day, um, because I like to have respect and I like to give respect. But, uh, when you go into a new fly shop, if you go in there and you're like, oh man, I'm a fly fishing guide. I've been guiding for 50 years and I know everything about everything. They're not going to, they're not going to take that well. And, uh, at the end, everybody likes to talk about their self. And so it's nice to get a thing where, uh, the person that you're talking to at the fly shop is comfortable with you. And they're like, oh, you know what? This guy actually is trying to learn. He's not trying to steal my spots. And if you go in and you actually listen and ask the questions that you want to ask, but appropriately without going, hey man, I want to go fishing on the Boise, but I don't know the flies and I don't know where to go. Could you tell me where to go? They're going to give you the same you know, spot that they tell every single buddy that comes in. But if you come in and you actually get to know these guys and you talk to them and are interested in what they are saying, it's amazing how quickly that they'll be like, hey man, this guy knows what he's doing 
I'm going to give him some respect for that. But at the same time, he's wanting to learn. And that, that just is the way to go. If you come in and you're, you're Mr. Know-it-all, they're, they're not going to want to help you out. Well, yeah, I was just talking to, yeah, I think it's the same with like, um, I mean, same with lots of things. People don't like when people's egos show up, right? They don't, exactly. They don't like, um, that side of folks typically. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. I think that people, you know, maybe some people, I certainly, I've felt this way where I'm like, I want, I want them to know that like, I'm not a beginner, you know what I mean? Or that, you know, like I feel like I have to like prove or show that like, Hey, I've got real, (laughs) real fly fishing abilities or something. I don't know what it is. Um, but you got to just kind of leave that aside and be like, whatever, I'm just going to come in here. So what are the questions and how would you ask them that you could ask that you said would be appropriate or, because I think some of it too, is there's definitely ego on the other side, you know, there's, there's, there's ego. So like, Hey, um, you ask a question, we'll talk about those types of questions or you say like, Hey, how are the flows? You know, what's a typical flow on this river? What's the CFS? And what's, is that normal for this time of year? That's going to give me, that's going to tell me a lot. It's not going to tell me the secret spots. It's not going to tell me the flies, but it's going to tell me a lot about how to fish that river that time or that day. But, um, if you get something on the backside that is also coming from a place of ego, that's also kind of like, eh, and that's when I would just move on. But I don't find that's the case, really. I, I usually find that most people are friendly. And uh, but what, what would you say are some questions that would be um, good to ask that are not just what flies, where do I go? Because I've, I've been in fly shops. I was in Colorado and I, I like lost my forceps. I like fell in the river. I was catching this fish and I slipped and I was long story, but uh, I lost my forceps. And uh, so there's a fly shop up there and I went in to get just to get forceps. That's my whole purpose for going in there. Uh, I still spent like five or 10 minutes just trying to figure out which forceps to buy. But <laughs> I, in the course of like that five or 10 minutes, like two or three people came in and I was just appalled at the way that they were like talking to the guy behind the counter. I mean, it was just incredibly rude and like, just like so egocentric. I was like, okay, I get, I get it now. I can see if I'm in here all day dealing with this, that I'm going to be like, get out of here with that junk, you know? So I guess what are some, what are some questions that you think are, are good to ask that are, um, you know, that are going to help you on the river and that are going to help you kind of uh, establish a relationship with the fly shop, which is probably what we want to do eventually, right? It's just kind of build a rapport so you can hang out and be friendly. Yeah, exactly. And for me, uh, anytime I go in a new fly shop, I'm kind of like you. I have what I want to get from the fly shop in my head, forceps or new pair of boots or whatever that you're looking for. Um, when I go in, I instantly, hey, how you doing, man? I'm Rob. I'm here to pick up a new pair of forceps. And uh, can you show me the forceps you got? And that way, by just saying who I am, they're going to be like, okay, this guy introduced himself. He's he's actually probably pretty cool. And then, you know, 
I just ask them. I look at their personality that they have that I that I can kind of read a person and go, oh man, this guy's really looking at these. He's talking about this forceps compared to that. And then I just go, hey man, uh, you know, I'm going to be fishing around here. Uh, where would you suggest I go? What river is the best? You know, and that kind of thing. And let them tell you about it and instead of just like you forcing yourself like hey man i'm going to the boise river and uh uh tell me the flies i'm just like oh man you know i've never fished there uh talk to me about it but i also am really quick to to book a half day guide trip with the shop that if i if i start to build a rapport with some of the people in there i'm quick to go hey man uh i'm new here i don't know what's going on can i just go do a half day guide trip or do you guys do that? Can I do a full day guide trip? I don't mind at all. I, I don't really. And that's what I did at the shop that I wrote that blog for. I, I booked a half day guide trip and went out with the guide and he's still a good friend of mine to this day. And we get on the water and he's like, dude, you, he watched me cast for 10 minutes. Is like, dude, what do you need me for? And I'm like, man, I just want somebody to hang out with. And I just want to, uh, uh, have a place to come back and go fishing. That's the start of it. And what happens is he got back to the shop and was like, Hey, I took this guy Rob out. Great stick. Super fun. He had a great time. He hung some fish and, and, uh, he's a super nice guy. And once they start talking about that, when I came back in, the other people working in the shop were like, Hey Rob, how'd it go, man? Hey. And then next thing you know, you're, you're, you're like, just in there and talking to the guys and it's not sometimes just strictly about fly fishing you know they might be getting married or you know they're had a big barbecue or something and so uh that's it just depends on how far you want to take it if you're just looking to go catch a fish then by all means just go in there and say hey man i'm gonna fish the oahi river what's what bugs are popping off and do some research before it uh you know you can find so much stuff on the internet if it's the middle of you know September or whatever you know you can look it up and see what bugs are there just say hey man I looked it up this is the bugs that I'm trying to get would you suggest these or not do you think it's because it's it's the easy button do you, I've thought about this because you know sometimes I'm like what's the big deal you know like hey what flies where am I go you know what river you know why, why can't you just what's the big you know what's the big deal why don't you tell me <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this is my inner monologue, right? Okay. So, but, but sometimes I think too, um, it's almost like, you know, it's just like you wouldn't take someone to your, your, your favorite fly fishing spot, or maybe you would, I don't know, but like, there's just, I guess, let me put it this way. When you've been fly fishing a while, you've obviously struggled. Nobody starts good, right? Nobody right. just gets That's out there exactly and knocks right. it out of the park. There is a process, a learning process, and there's some struggle in that learning process. So I sometimes think that when you approach anyone, not even just a guide, like, or a fly shop or just people that have more experience, if you approach them in this way where it's almost like flippant, like hey, I'm here to catch big Browns and, you know, I went, I was fishing on the Madison last year and it was awesome. And, you know, where are the big Browns out here or something? Um, it's almost like a, you're trying, you're, you're kind of, um, dismissing that struggle as like, it's not important to the, the journey. Um, right. like putting, putting the goal before the, the process. Like I, I'm only interested in this, the, the prize, the trophy fish, right? right. That's all I care about. Mm -hmm. And that might not be true, but if you, 
you know, perceptions is reality, right? If you say it or present it in a certain way, then it's just going to come off wrong. A, a lot of times egos the is kind of the the root of that, but sometimes ignorance and uh you know, and and sometimes when you're a beginner, like you don't know like to ask about, you don't know what CFS is or you don't know about water sure. temperature or you don't know about weather patterns, you don't whatever, whatever it is, you don't know to ask those questions. You just kind of like, Hey, I want to catch fish, which flies and where should I go? You know? And, um, I don't know. I, and, that, and that's where do, I do you think that back. that's, do you think that, I mean, do you think that that is a thing that people are just kind of like, they don't want to. Yes, I do. Especially since social media, everybody wants that Instagram, that social media picture. And, uh, it does drive me crazy, and I say this a lot. And uh, what drives you crazy? The that, Instagram that no, that, that yeah, that it kind of like everybody wants to catch that fish to put on Instagram, and okay, like, okay, man, yeah. I'm a I'm a killer fisherman. But <laughs> what they're not seeing yeah. is that, uh, and uh, they've got to earn it, and that's the problem. And I'm a big proponent of you want to catch that big fish. Cool, man. I'll be glad to help you out, but. You've got to be the one that, hey, I can, I can tell you what flies to use and I can tell you kind of where to go. But at the same time, you're the one that's going to make the cast. You're the one that's going to get the drift. You're the, going to get the one that's going to set the hook. And I want you to earn that, not just give me, give me, give me and give you all the information. I had to learn it. You had to learn it. And so at the same time, I want you to have that journey of learning it and earning that fish. Uh, I, I can't stress that enough. You got to earn it. That makes Everybody sense. gets this... the big fish. They just want that fish. And I want that big fish. I, hell, I want that fish. Sure. I love catching big fish. I, I love catching Me lots too. of fish. I mean, I'm... Yeah. Uh, but you got to earn it. And that's that's the jam. And that's the journey. And that's the part that a lot of people are missing now is that they're not earning it. They're They're just like... Give me every information you can, and I'm going to go do it on my own. And you're like, dude, you didn't do it on your own. You pretty much leaned on the guys at the fly shop, or you know, your your guide buddy, or even just your friend. You know, like, hey, man, I hooked this big fish. It was right here at this spot, and then you see him there for three days straight, fishing the same run, trying to catch that one fish. And I'm like, man, earn it. <laughs> okay, so well, let's talk about that because I have opinions about about earning it and things and. When, where's the line? Like when, when will you draw the line? Because I do think that there's value in struggle. I think that there's, um, me too. There's a beautiful, there's a, I think there's a beautiful part of like the progress of any kind of activity that requires discipline. Like, I don't know, fly fishing, archery, skiing, uh, anything worth you know a value in life that you can't pay for is something that is where you've got to earn it. And you got to work. Yeah. You got to, yeah. you got to bring your skills, no matter if it's flying an A-10 or if it's cutting the grass and having nice clean lines. It, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You got to yeah, yeah. earn that stuff. Uh, that's what I think anyway. And I mean, I see it a lot and I, and I love it when I'm there with my buddies that, you know, I was just on a steelhead trip a couple weeks ago and one of my buddies caught a 32 inch wild fish steelhead. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. He's been trying for a while. My other buddy with me caught the biggest bull trout he's ever caught. And I'm like, man, you guys have worked your 
butt off to get this. And I am so glad I was here at that moment when, when both of them came together, you know, I love that stuff because I see the struggle and I like watching that struggle and I like the, the, the grind that they're doing to get to that fish. I love it. It, the payoff is so much more rewarding. So when, where is the line that you draw then where you would say like, because I think it's a slippery slope a little bit too, where you're like, okay, you have to earn it. And like, you still are trying to help people. I mean, I'm trying to help people, newcomers. And and you said that's something that you enjoy about fly fishing as well. So, I mean, if somebody's, you know, doing their best hearts in the right spot, they're just trying to learn, uh, you know, and they hook into a big fish. Is that, you know what I mean? Like, is that not earned? They didn't like just try and catch it for Instagram or whatever. They're out there like genuinely right. trying to catch fish and, and people are out there sure. fishing. They're going to catch big fish before they know yeah. how to land them. And they're going to land big fish before they know how to fight <laughs> fish. I mean, that just happens. I mean, yeah. uh, and you're going to lose fish when you know how to fight fish. Right. So, I mean, yeah. is there a, uh, another side of that coin, I guess, where sometimes we take it too far and we're like, yeah, you know, we kind of get, because I think that that can be a seed of, uh, of ego for people where it's like, well, sure. I'm out here and I know I've fished this river hundred days a year and you've only fished it X amount of days or whatever. And so you haven't earned it like I've earned it. Well, yeah, I'm not, I don't fish all the time. Right. Not everybody does right. that, but it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that they haven't earned whatever that means a fish. Right. I think, I think, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? So uh, real quick, let's talk about losing the big fish. Uh, <laughs> I see buddies yeah. losing. I lose big fish. You lose big fish. Clients lose big fish. Everybody loses fish. But when you lose that big fish, uh, that's what keeps you coming back every single time. Because you're going to remember that second in your life. You're like, holy crap, I had that big fish. I seen it. I got to go back or I'm going to redo my same rig and I'm going to fish the same way. Uh, it's It's... It's what keeps you coming back when you lose that big fish. It sucks to lose that big oh, fish. Oh, gosh. I lost one in Montana times. this year. I think about it almost every All day. All the time. I mean, it's <laughs> right? just my son was there, my brother, my dad. It was like first time my son was on this fly fishing trip. My audience is probably getting tired of me. It's probably the second time I brought this up, but like, ah, oh, man. And it was, I've all done. It was just about to get netted and gone. You know, I mean, <laughs> Oh, but wow. it's a, it, that's a, that's, that's a core story. memory for you. Yeah. It's a core yeah. memory and it shouldn't be sad. It's you did everything right. It just, it just happens. I no, mean, and that's happen. what keeps you coming back. And I love, yeah, but there, it. I mean, I hate there's it a part of my brain, fun. Rob, there. I'm like, no, there's something I did. I mean, I know it was, I could have done better hook set or what, you know, uh, sure. but sometimes the, those are the breaks, right? Like you said, that's, that's what right. keeps you coming back. I think that's pretty cool. And just don't feel bad because it happens to everybody. I don't yeah, care yeah, who yeah. you are. You're going to lose that big fish at some point or that special fish or whatever. Right. I mean, it's going to happen to you. And uh, so, but the line for me it, when I'm like, okay, that's, that's enough is, is I really believe that if you really want to catch a big fish, you're going to do everything in your ability, in your quote, fly fishing tackle box to catch that fish. And I will be glad to help you. I'll go with you. You know, I mean, Hey, if I have a buddy that's like, Hey, I want to catch this fish. I'm great to go with you. 
at the end of the day, I can't cast for you. At the end of the day, I can't throw that first mend in for you. At the end of the day, I'm not the one setting the hook. Like I said, I'm there to help net if it's that big a fish. But there is a line where I'm like, I can't hook the fish and get it to the net and you take a picture of it. No, there's not, that's not happening. Right. Uh, yeah. And so uh, one of those things is that's the journey. That's the journey of fly fishing. And it doesn't have to be a big fish. Everybody has their own personal fly fishing fish bucket list, you know, Hey, I really, this is the one fish I want to catch. And, uh, when you get there, it's instantly, you have a brand new fish that you want to catch. So, uh, I suggest that each and own person, they do their, their own journey. And if people want to help them along the way, by all means, accept that help. Don't, don't just be like, oh, I'm not going to do it with, with you. you <laughs> I just know, talked to a guy whatever. who, uh, they're both good friends and they're both fly fishing buddies, but he was talking about when he was learning how to fly fish and his friend was like, he just wouldn't help him with anything. He just really didn't help him. Like, <laughs> wouldn't answer like basic questions for him. And we were laughing about it, but he's like, I guess, I mean, I don't know if he was just too lazy to answer the questions for me or he just was trying to like, he no, liked fishing alone or he just wanted me to have that is. struggle. Right. No, when sometimes uh, when you're in that, I know what it is. That means that the buddy that's not trying to help, and I could be wrong. I'm just, I don't know your buddies or the person. Uh, I I think that that person that doesn't want to share the information is like, holy crap, this dude or this lady has got the skills to do this. And I'm afraid (laughs) to help him because I know that he's going to connect. He's going to hook yeah. up on that big fish. And then I'm going to be like, well, uh, I was just, I, that was my fish kind of thing. Ego, right? So Back ego, to ego. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where if more people, it, you don't have to be a guide. You could be a normal fisherman. If more people were just like, hey, man, you know what? I'm here to help you. You know, this yeah. if you get the fish on kind of thing. And then it makes a memory for both of you guys. The guy that's like being kind of mean about it to your friend is – if he does catch that big fish, he's not going to have any memory of it. The only memory he's going to have is, yeah, it's kind of a jerk to him and didn't tell him. <laughs> but if he would help him, he would yeah. be a part of that. And both of them together would be like, man, do you remember when we caught that big brown, you know, whatever. Yeah. It would be a, a part of it together instead of just, well, it was just Jim Bob over here that, that caught that fish, you know. And yeah. so, uh, Well, they both laugh about it now, but I think that that is, a really, that is a really good point. I think that that is not something that, I've, that I thought of, but it's certainly uh, it's still impossible. And I, I would be super wary if, if I was a guy that was, that was not getting information and I did hook that big fish and the guy that's giving me the hard time about it, I don't know if I'd let him net it. Cause he might try to knock <laughs> yeah. that fish off. He like, Maybe oh, that's what my brother fish. was doing when I didn't land that brown in Montana. That's what I'll, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm gonna tell my brother. Like, I know what it is. You just didn't want me to catch it. That's uh, it, man. That's it. Yeah. The net no, job's gotta good. be my on point great. when you get those big fish. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's go back, uh, to the fly shop a little bit and I want to, sure. I want to, I want to, um, stick with that. I want to ask you more about like, what are some other things that, um, that you can do, um, to set your ego aside and just go in and, and ask questions. Um, because you always hear like, Oh, just pump them for information. Right. And right. again, it's kind of this double-edged sword where it's like, Oh, we want to help people. We want to, uh, you know, certainly in that type of environment, it's a professional environment where you're, you're trying to provide a service too, right? Uh, right. Maybe a, a unique industry service, but it's still like a customer 
service. Uh, mm-hmm. what are, what are things that, um, are good types of questions or things that you would ask that would help build rapport and show that you're not here just to pump for information, uh, but you're also going fishing and you want to have a good time. Sure. That's easy. That's the easy part. Uh, so if, if you're, if you're at a shop and you like the shop and you've kind of built up somewhat of a rapport with them, I mean, you know, you, you actually maybe know the names of one of the guys in there or something, uh, Great thing about phones now, we all have pictures on it. Go back in there. Hey, man, you know what? I was fishing and the flies you get, look at the fish I caught. I mean, the guys in the fly shop, I'm not going to lie to you, they get tired of seeing people's (laughs) pictures on their phones. But when you say, hey, you sold me the flies or whatever that you're using, show them, hey, man, I'm out. I'm on the grind for this, man. I really want to learn this. You're going to, you're going to get respect from those guys. And, uh, it's, it's a really cool thing to know that, Hey, I was working in the fly shop, sold this guy, you know, indicator and some dimps or sold him some dry flies. And he went out and did it. He caught some fish. That's awesome. I love hearing that story. And I love hearing that as a guide. Hey man, I went out with you two weeks ago, but Rob, look at this fish. And I get emails every once in a while that people are like, Hey, look at this fish that I got here. And that just gives me respect for them. Hey man, you guys listened to what I said. You valued my opinion, my skills that I have developed and it works. And I can guarantee you, you come back in and say, Hey, I'm going to fish a different set of water. The same people that you're talking to at the same fly shop, they're going to be more apt to help you out. They're going to say, Hey man, this guy's, he's on point with it. And so that's, that's a really that's good what one. I do. Yeah, that's, that's something do. I've done. I've gotten mixed uh, reactions. Some I've had people be like, just kind of shocked, like, "Oh, okay, cool." And I've had people be really receptive too. Um, but for me, it's just like a gratitude to thing as well. Sure. I just I, I get excited, yeah. and I just want to say thanks. You know, especially if it's yeah a fly that I wouldn't have picked out uh, or fishing waters that I really wouldn't think of, like that. You know, that type of thing. Um, I do like to do that sometimes. Uh, is there other things? What other stuff uh, do you think? Uh, I, when I find a fly shop that I like, I'm pretty much specific to that fly shop. I hmm. buy my gear from there. I buy my flies, my leaders, everything. I, I'm not a big box store kind of guy that buys stuff from you know other big, big brands. This is my fly shop. This is a shop I go to. And the more you're just in there buying stuff, the more that the people in there are going to see you and they're going to be like, oh, hey, Rob, how's it going? Man, you've been fishing anywhere? Of course I have, man. Look at this or tell them yeah. a little story about it or whatever. And that's the stuff they like. They, the, the people that work in the fly shop hate it when you go to the big box stores and then come in and buy some split shot, but you just spent, you know, 600 bucks at the big box stores, nothing wrong with the box stores. Don't get me wrong. But the people that are working in the fly shop, they're locally owned. They're here. Yeah, They're running a business or whatever. Exactly. And the other thing you got to think of, and this is a lot of, especially during the summer, uh, being working in a fly shop or, uh, being a guide in the summer, you are grinding. Yeah. I mean, you work. Yeah. You work. And I know a lot of people like, oh, dude, I work 40 hours a week. I get it. But you're never going to have a Saturday and Sunday off. You're always working and you get the same questions over and over and over and over again. So 
if you go in and somebody's kind of short with you, it's probably because they're having a bad day or, you know, I mean, people are people. I can't change the yeah, way people, people are, are, but people. I can keep my attitude positive. And if they're not wanting to talk to me, cool, man, that's cool. He's just, he's having a bad day or, uh, you know, just something is wrong. I mean, it's a job at the end of the day, just like your job is now, just like anybody else's job. You get tired of doing it. I know it's a fun thing to do, but uh, it's still a job. You're still there to to pay your bills, and uh, a lot of people forget that. And you know, they go in and like, well, he didn't hardly help me. What were you expecting? You know, set your expectations uh, of yourself going in the fly shop. Am I going in there to to just sit around and talk to him all day? Well, I can't do that. They they, they need to. <laughs> He's got know, work to the do, customers. Man. He's yeah, got yeah. work to do. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And yeah, so that makes a sense. A lot of people get there. It's it's a job. It's and it's a fun job, but it's it's a job. Well, I think what you brought up too that makes a lot of sense is kind of can be a two-way street. You don't think that it can, but it can. And even as somebody that doesn't go in much or fly fish much or as a beginner, like if you come back and you say like, hey, I caught fish here, right? Mm -hmm. On these types of flies. Like one thing that I think about a lot is like the hot fly is the hot fly until it's not, right? Or That's the, right. <laughs> the fish are in, they're holding in this type of water until they're not, right? So yep. at any moment when somebody recommends anything to you in fly fishing, it could be about to change like the next yep. moment. I mean, there are patterns that exist that people can become familiar with and it can be less likely, but at some point, like it's not going to be, uh, red zebra midge anymore right it's you know right. or at some at some point like the temperatures will change and it's not going to be in the riffles it's going to be deeper water or 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 something like that and so it's it's not unuseful i would think i don't know but i would think it's not unuseful to get some of that data some information like hey i didn't catch fish here but once i started fishing deeper water, like I was killing it with these woolly buggers or whatever. And, um, that's good to know. I mean, I would want to know that. Sure. And I'm yeah. sure that people that are doing it professionally, they've got their finger on the pulse like pretty well. Cause people are coming in every day telling them, but, um, it's still information, right? It's still, you're, you're saying, Hey, here's something I learned today. Right. Or here's something. Right. Maybe that's naive. Maybe that's not appreciated. No, it's, <laughs> but, it's totally appreciated. It's yeah. totally appreciated because if you're talking to the people that are working in the fly shop and you tell them, hey, we were in the tail outs today, the fish were holding deeper, the first thing they're going to do is go, okay, I know this guy and he does fish a lot and I'm going to tell the guides or, hey, the next time I'm on the water, I'm going to try it. They're going to try it. I guarantee you. I guarantee you they're going to try it. They're going to remember that. I mean, especially if they are talking to a person that they know that is, that is out there listening to what they're saying and trying and trying to catch fish. And, uh, uh, but going back to that point, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the situation where we crush it guiding one day. And then I'm like, <laughs> next morning I get the clients. And I'm like, dude, we're going to kill it today. And the fish moved yeah. or they're not eating. They're eating betas uh -huh. now. And yesterday they were eating midges. And, and you got to figure just, it out. What the hell? Yes. And so then that's why I learned a long time ago. I just am like, I don't expect anything to be the same on the water. I could go to this same exact spot. And it's happened to me multiple, multiple times. Or like, in my head, I'm like, we're getting ready mm -hmm. to 
crank yeah, fish all I know. day. And it's not like that. And you're like, oh man, back to square one. Yeah. Back I'm just like, what one. has so, changed? <laughs> like it's the same temp. It's the same water. I'm the same yep. fly fisher. I'm the same presenter of flies. I'm not any yep. less skilled today than I was yesterday. Right. But uh, then yep. try and figure it out. All right. Uh, man, that's that's it, man. Depth wise, and maybe you just beat them up really bad the day before, and they're like, "Man, we're out of here. We're gonna push to the tail outs if they were in the riffle or vice versa." You know, so uh-huh. uh, it's that's what keeps it fun. It's supposed yeah. to be like that, you know. You're like, "Man, gotta gotta figure it out." That's the that's the combination to get it going. Well, let's right talk way. about that. That was the the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about is keeping it fun, and I know that's something that that you uh, value is keeping fly fishing fun and something that you are proud of that you try to keep it fun when you're out fly fishing with your friends or with clients and things like that. Um, why do you think that it's hard for people to have fun fly fishing? I mean, it's an activity, it's a hobby, but sometimes maybe it's not as fun as maybe we think it should be or that it, it, it needs to be. Why do you think that that is a struggle for some people? I think, uh, and, uh, I, I think about this quite often, but then I, then I just sort of like, this is stupid to think about because Rob, you're being dumb, but (laughs) I don't say that, that Rob, you're not being dumb. I know, I know, but I just, there's so many things that go through my head all the time. I think that the problem is, is that everybody is worried about everybody else. And so I think that if you are out having fun and you take the skunk, but you're having fun, you're laughing with your buddies, you know, you're, you're watching them or everybody's got stories they like to tell. And it's all about just keeping a good attitude. And if you keep the good attitude and the fun, I promise you, you're going to catch fish. Not every single time, but I promise you it's going to be a fun day on the water. And the fun starts from when you start grabbing your gear to go out for the day or if you're going to go by and pick up your buddies. I mean, it, if you look at the whole day, it's it's just a fun time. And, you know, you're like, oh, man, we stopped and got these burritos. It, it, man, I was with so-and-so. And, dude, the burritos killed him. We had to stop and use the bathroom at this truck stop. You know, I mean, it's like nonstop. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you get to the water and you fall in or, you know, and it's it's supposed to be a good time. And I think that so many people worry about that big fish or, man, we got to catch 100 fish. And I, and I know why is because a lot of people don't get to spend that much time on the water and so when they get on the water, they're like, fish, 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 fish. And I'm like, man, it's fun to fish and it's great. And it's a, it's a good way to relax. But if you just keep a positive attitude and have fun with your buddies, or if you're out by yourself fishing, I like to do that every once in a while. I'm not a big guy that fishes by himself. Uh, but you know what? Stop fishing. Hey man, you know what? This looks like a cool little rock face or I'm going to go over here and walk up this side or, and just have fun and enjoy the outside nature, what you're there for. It's, it's just, it's just a lot of people have gotten so serious and, uh, and I blame a little bit on, you know, river runs through it. They're super serious in it, but if you watch the movie, <laughs> there's yeah. still some funny parts in it. Uh, and there's always something to have fun with, uh, whether it's catching that big fish or not catching that big fish and making fun of your buddies or them making fun of you or telling stories on the way to the river. Or you remember that one time that happened to us when we were driving out here? That's the kind of stuff that keeps it fun. 
And, uh, and especially when you get to the end of the day and you go, you know what? I didn't catch a lot of fish, but dang, my cheeks hurt from laughing. That's a good day on the water. That's a great day on the water. And, uh, it's, it's one of those things that, especially if you can add into that, and I learned something on top of it with my cheeks hurting, it makes it even better. I mean, that's, that's my, my gig. And that's what I tell my friends. That's what I tell my clients. I tell them all the time, hey, man, it's supposed to be fun. Let's have a great day. Attitude is everything. And I've been on guide trips, and I've been on fishing trips where my buddies were like, it's time to grind. And we got we to gotta fish. And when we do that, it seems like it's work. And you're like, man, this is not fun. And I tell myself, you know what? Reel it up. Let's, let's go on the bank or let's you know, go for a boat ride for a minute. Just check out of that situation. It's supposed to be fun. And the second you lose that, then that's when you might need to take up bowling or you might need to, <laughs> to take up golf. If but every you know time what? you go, you're just like, here's mad. the thing, Rob. You could be that. You could have the same issues with bowling, right? You can you can go to bowling and you can. Do, so, I think it's a little bit of the attitude you take to it, like you said. And I think yes, one of the is. things you brought 100%. up that is, yeah, I think one of the things you brought up that's really, uh, I want to I want to talk more about is the positive mental attitude, and this idea that if you build it, they will come. Right. If you, if you, that's it. I mean, it's, it's almost like even at the most basic level, when you're casting, you're wishing, you know, you're almost like using some Jedi stuff to like, I just want a fish to hit. Right. I'm just like w- trying to will it to happen. And, right. uh, you know, you can get so wrapped up in that, that you forget to like that. You're just trying to the, the positive side of it, I guess. I don't know. But I think it's, um, I don't know. I think there is some truth to that. I think there's some truth to like the positive attitude will bring the fish and you're not the first person I've heard that has said that. Um, it's, it, it's like a I real said, thing. I think uh, it's a thing. It's totally a real thing because <laughs> once that negative energy starts coming inside, notice your casting, it starts to get crappy. Notice just the way that you're, posture is standing in the boat or on the river notice how you're like so easily irritated at everything notice the tangles that start happening and there's a difference between bad negativity in your head and getting tired you know i mean i see it all sure people get tired you get tired but at that point if you're messing with the bad attitude and negativity in your head it's going to show in your fishing and I that's a great you, point. I mean, for sure. I've, I've definitely can think back yes. on times where I'm getting frustrated and then it just snowballs. Right. And now I'm in the trees. It does. I'm more upset. Yep. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and you end up like, uh, yeah, just not having a good time and certainly not catching any fish because you're not fishing as often. Um, right. Or you're, you're making mistakes and, uh, that maybe you wouldn't have made if you weren't, uh, didn't have that negative energy. Uh, That's right. And like I said, before we started talking about this, it, uh, I like the saltwater fly fish. That's, I love it. It's, it's my, I love doing it. I love trout, but I like saltwater fly fishing and you want to test your patience, go chase permit, go chase tarpon for a full week. And you will learn really quick. The more negative that you are and hard on yourself and mad because you 
miss that drop on that permit or your cast wasn't far enough for this tarpon that's cruising. I'm telling you, your attitude will destroy your fishing. I've, I've done it myself. I've seen it. I've done it a lot in saltwater and everything that can go wrong around you will go wrong. But if you're like, man, you know what, dude, I got to get this negative out and I'm going to just stick with this positive. Today's the day. And I tell myself that when I let that cast go, it's not, man, I hope I get a bite. It's every, and I'm not kidding you when I tell you this, every single time that fly drops in the water, I'm like, this is a fish right now. Watch, watch. This is going to be a fish. It's not like that every time. But <laughs> yeah, I tell yeah. myself every time, got to have that positive reinforcement in your fly fishing. And that goes for all of life, not just fly fishing, all your life, everything you do in life. You got to have a positive attitude about it. Um, and it helps everybody around you too, you know, and I've seen the attitude change your buddies like pissed off or whatever. And you're just like, man, dude, you're really blowing it because you're, you're acting like a, a, a terrible person over here cussing and yelling and slamming your rods and everything. And I'm like, I'm over here like, ah, ha, ha, let me slide in that spot where you're at and just hang one right in front of the spot where they're at. And I love doing that. I think it's awesome because then yeah. they get even more mad than you get to make fun of them and they're sitting in the truck and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, positive mental attitude is a real thing. I've seen it. Uh, Oh Yeah. I've seen it in the fighter squadron a lot where uh, people lose track and um, people lose track of the fact that I used to think about this, uh, you know, dude, you get to go fly a tens today, man. Like, are you, Yeah. what? I mean, this is so (laughs) awesome, man. Like this is like, and for me, that was like dream come true kind of thing. Like this is it, man. This is, this is it. I mean, it's, it's, I, it shouldn't be as easy as it is as it is. It shouldn't be as easy as it is to lose track of the good parts, right? Um, I don't know if we're wired that way as humans or what, but I used to think like, dude, this is the best job ever. Like, don't stop complaining, man. Like, knock it off. Like, yeah, the weather's not good. Or yeah, we don't have range time. Or yeah, our lives got canceled. But I mean, we're still going flying, dude, and we're flying these airplanes yeah. and we're doing something special. We're making a difference. And I think that, um, like you said, it's a big thing in life too, but then in fly fishing, we'll take it back. It's a fly fishing podcast. So we're talking about fly fishing, but you know, oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're still out fly fishing. I mean, we're not at the office We're we're out doing stuff. Correct. And like you brought up many times, like many times we're with people we like, so we're building memories, we're having fun. So, um, just kind of getting back to like the basic kind of thing, like it's supposed to be fun. Like fly, this is fun. It's not, not only is it not supposed to be fun, this is fun. Like this is a fun activity. And if it's not fun, then I really don't, I, I would assume you're not out here doing it. Right. Like unless you've just been forced to do it. Right. Which maybe some people are being. Yeah, I don't see to too do many it. people on the water that are forced. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I'm, right. I don't see very many people out there that are like, "Hey, I have to be here." Uh, and you know, I mean, most everybody. This is America. You can do what you want. I mean, you don't have to go fly fishing if you don't want to. And sometimes I get like that. I'm like, man, I, you know, I just don't feel like fishing today. I have an opportunity to go, and uh, I just don't want to go today. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, life does get in the way, like you're saying. And, uh, you know, I've got to cut my grass or, you know, i got to fix something at the house. And, you know, it can't always be like that. But a lot of people, unfortunately, I'm 
very lucky to be in the spot where I'm at, where I do get to get on the water a lot. And, uh, a lot of people don't. And, and, you know, it's, well, that's it's a great point. And I think that's a big of part of it is, you know, people don't get out on the water that often. And then, so when they do, it's like, I got to make the most of the time, right? I got to learn everything I can learn. I got to catch as many fish as I can catch. Or I got to, they just turn it into like the, the expectations are so high. That it's almost impossible to, to meet them. And, um, so, I mean, one thing you can do to keep it fun would be go fishing more often, maybe, <laughs> because then there's not as much pressure and not everybody can do that. But if you, if you have the ability, like you can cut back on the pressure or if you just think about it maybe that you can, um, or just re- remind yourself, this isn't the last time that I'll be able to go. Sure. Yeah, that's a, a, that's a great way to look at it. Hey man, you know what? I didn't catch any fish this time or I only caught one or whatever. And just be like, Hey man, you know what? I'm going to try to do this again next week and, uh, get back after it. Have fun. That's, that's, that's what it's about. I feel. (laughs) Oh, that's great, man. That's great. And and that's the other thing. Let's, I want to talk to you about you. You said, uh, managing your expectations, uh, for anybody who's booking a guide trip, they need to let the guide know we, we try to manage your expectations, but I get a lot of people that are like, Hey, I just want to go fly fishing and catch some fish. Cool. But let's talk a little bit about that on how do you want to catch them? Do you want to learn something? Are you just looking to catch a lot of fish? When you book a guide, tell them what you want out of the trip. You're the one paying for the the guide trip. Uh, And so we try to manage your expectations the best we can. But yourself, you're the one paying for it. Tell them what you want. You know, hey, you know, and we'll tell you if it's feasible or not. And uh, that's a big part of a good fly fishing guide is that they know your expectations and they're managing it and trying to make your trip as best as possible for you. Um, That's the one thing I see a lot of people that really don't do. They're like, ah, I just want to go fly fishing. Cool. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk the Boise River. Why? What makes that a special fishery for you, and what are some of the unique qualities of that river? For me, special is accessibility. It's right here. It's right here in town, and uh, it's easily accessed for the whole entire river. And so there's a lot of places where you can get away from if there's other people. Um, you've got pretty much from the east side of Boise downtown Boise east side all the way down past Middleton that's a long stretch of water super accessible most of the way it's got a you know the a little trail that follows it that's paved so you want to walk and get away from people you want to get in the the craziness of all the places where there's a ton of people at where they stock a lot it's got a good offering of wild fish in there along with stockers and uh, there's some very large rainbows and browns in there not a lot but enough to keep you going, this, this might be the one that I'm looking for. And so it's, uh, it's one of those things that keeps you interested. And uh, you know, it doesn't take a whole day. You can just go out and fish for three, four hours and come home and make supper for the kids kind of thing. You know? So it's not like it's a full day drive to get there and then you, know, you got a two-hour drive back and stuff. So accessibility and, and uh, the quality of fish in there. What kind of fish is there? There's those browns, rainbows, and any other species that are that you fish for? Well, that we fish for or do we catch? Uh, so there's uh, browns and rainbows. Uh, there's suckers, whitefish, pike minnow. 
um, that's, that's about the ones that we catch. Yeah. So that, I mean, you could, you could get a, what we would call slam. So there's going to be five different fish that you could catch in there. Uh, but it's pretty tough. But when, when I catch it or friends catch it or whatever, I'm like, ah, oh, man, you got the Boise slam, Boise slam. What was the, and what was so the pike? I've not heard that one. It's a pike minnow squawfish. Oh, Same okay. thing. It's a, okay. it doesn't look like a pike. It's, and it's actually a native fish in there. Uh, cool. but a lot of people kill them because they do eat fry and stuff like that. And so they're like, Oh, when you get these out of here, I, I, I don't kill any of them. Um, so I just, I'm like, Hey man, it's a native, it's actually a native fish. Rainbows and Browns are not native in the Boise. So I'm like, man, white fish suckers and pike minnow. They get a free ride from me, and so <laughs> okay, I don't sounds kill good. Any of them. Mm-hmm. Let's say you could only fish the Boise two days. Which two days would you fish it, and how would you fish it? I would float it, uh, and I would probably put in at Barber and go down to Ann Morrison. Love it, and then uh, I would float it on the North Channel down to Star. Money. Yeah, it's, it's, if I'm wade fishing it, uh, you know, you got a bunch of places. I like closer to downtown uh, because they do stock a lot more up there. So there are more for fish to catch. Uh, but mostly when I'm going up there, I just want to try to catch a bunch of fish in one day. And it's funny because they're all the same size. They're between 8 and 14 inches, you know, they're all little stockers. But it's still pretty fun. I mean, you don't have to catch uh, big fish every single time. It's nice to go out and just bang on a few uh, dumb fish that have just yeah. been put in there. I like stupid fish; they're my favorite because they're easy to catch. <laughs> so. What days? What days of the year would you go if you're gonna uh, fish? Uh, for me, I like right when they turn the water off uh, for the irrigation season. So it's usually around the middle to later part of September. I like that. Then, because uh, if I'm wade fishing, it's easily access pretty much anywhere in the river you can walk wherever you want um if i'm floating it i like it around the fourth of july area when quote the float season starts for all the entertainers uh it's really fun um we and we have to take in consideration we don't own the river um no one owns the river but there is a lot of people in the inner tubes, so we'll put in way before uh they start running the shuttles for the uh inner tubers and then we're way down river by the time that they're, they're down. And so we still see them and, uh, it can definitely be craziness, but we try to try not to impact them and they don't want to see us as much as we don't want to see them kind of thing. So I used to live in Ann Morrison park apartments and oh, did I, was, you? <laughs> I used to do that float all the time. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, would come out and we would, um, there was a bus. I think, I think I remember there was a bus that would yeah. take us up to Barber park and, we would float down and then get, you know, barbecue and drink beer and stuff when we got back. I mean, Heck those yeah. are good memories, man. That's a, it's a beautiful river. It's a beautiful town, city. I mean, downtown. Uh, and you know, if you've never done that, I would highly suggest anybody that's visiting Boise in the summertime to do that. It's so much fun. And you get a yeah. totally different perspective of what downtown Boise is like when you're floating through it through the river. It's yeah. so cool. My I parents it. do it. I love They're it. like in their seventies and they float down that thing. They got tubes and stuff and they love it too. Cause there's so much young people out there and, uh, yeah, yeah they, they <laughs> and they're like, uh, there's just not as many people in their seventies doing it. There's probably others, but you're right. Uh, 
Not, yeah. Uh, well, I've seen everything floating down that river from unicorn, blow up unicorns to full on, you know, blow up mattresses to the craziest stuff where people have got 25, 30 inner tubes tied together. And I'm like, man, this is nuts. And it's pretty funny to see all that stuff. But uh, I, I think it's pretty awesome that we live in a city where it's right there. You can go do it. It's not like, like I said, you're not having to travel super far. Yeah. And they do such a good job. I mean, they just keep that mm-hmm. green belt so nice. And it really yes. does feel like sometimes when you're in that area that you're kind of out in the woods in nature and you're, yeah. you forget that you're like, you know, a hundred yards from these, a city like buildings, you know, it, it's, right. they really make it very nice. I don't know. I mean, um, yeah. Let's say I'm going out. access too. Yeah, it's great access. Let's say I'm going to come out there and fish with you, Rob. I am a slightly below average to average fly tire. Are there a couple of patterns that you would recommend that I would that I could uh, tie up on the vise and bring out there that you might uh, say, yeah, we can fish these. These would be pretty good. Just kind of some confidence flies that aren't too hard to tie that don't take that many materials. Sure. So, uh, uh, I get a lot of guff for this and uh, it's <laughs> good, just because good. it's my number one pr- productive fly. Uh, my favorite fly and I use it when I'm fishing a lot and it's super legit. It's not hard to tie, but I can't tie it cause I'm not a good fly tire, but, uh, is a slump buster. Man, oh man, you can catch fish on the Boise with that. You can catch fish anywhere with that fly. That's my number one favorite fly. You can dead drift it. You can swing it. You can strip it and it just works. It works time and time again. What is it? What is it uh, supposed to be? It's just like a small sculpin pattern, um, but it can also work as a leech. Um, It's just all around a great fly and I like it. They make it in like a green and they make, and it's, uh, it's basically squirrel hair and they dye it green or black, but I love the natural. And, uh, that fly produces more fish for me on a consistent basis than any other fly in my box. It is. And I get made fun of all the time, not made fun of, but my buddies give me crap about it. They're like, Oh, let me guess. You got that on a slump buster. You're right. I did. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, no way, man. I can't ever catch nothing on it. But that for me, but if you were just coming out on the Boise, um, stay rather, rather small. Yeah. You know, size 16, 18 midge, you know, just a basic zebra midge will do work. Uh, I'm big proponent and if there's no no bugs coming off, you got to make sure your drift is on point and your depth. Your depth and drift are going to put fish in the net. Uh, so even if there's no flies, no bugs coming off, and you're getting a good drift, you're still going to touch a few fish. And uh, I've, I've seen that happen a lot. I mean, there's no bugs coming off, but you're in the money zone with the flies, and you got some garbage on that you're like, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but you're really working that minge. You're keeping everything moving dead drift. You're going to catch fish. Fish are just opportunistic. They're going to go, oh, man, there's a fly right in my face. I'm going to eat it, you know, unless they're specifically keyed in on a hatch that's happening. Um, but And also, on that same hand, we catch a lot of fish swinging. A lot of people, a lot of guys and ladies will, into their drift, they just pick it up and shoot it back up or – 
they don't let that thing swing. Let those nymphs swing. It's amazing how many fish come on that swing. It's especially on the Boise. It's amazing. I tell everybody, man, swing it out. Swing it okay. out. Let that thing swing at the end. And boom, 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 that rod would go tight on there. And they're like, man, it's on the swing. And I was like, I love it. I love it. What are some techniques that you have that you would pass along to people for making sure they are at the correct depth? So uh, if, if you ever fish with me, you will see I'm constantly moving that indicator up and down if we're, if we're nymph fishing. Um, I'm constantly making sure that you're ticking but not hanging on the bottom. Um, and a good buddy of mine, Pat Dorsey, said a long time ago, a piece of split shot sets you off from becoming a mediocre fisherman to a great fly fisherman, either one too much split shot or one not enough. So you'll see me mess with the indicator first. And then if I'm still not getting that tick tick on there, I'm going to put another piece of split shot on. Or if I'm dragging too much, I'm going to take that split shot off. Uh, this time of year on the Boise, super light split shot, even if there's any at all on it. Flows are low. Fish are kind of wary. The browns are ending pre-spawn. They're, they're starting to dig. And so we leave all that alone. But uh, lots of times, I mean, I had two trips there earlier, well, late last week, and we didn't even use split shot because we were able to control everything with the indicator and uh it's just different rigging techniques and i mean it's just just all about that drift and making sure you're ticking but not hanging the bottom put those flies down in those fish's faces because they're on the bottom right now Uh, not a lot of fish come up and eat dries on the boise they do but they're pretty tough to catch on the dry do you like to put your heavier fly as the lead fly and then tag off the hook or do you put the tag higher up or, I mean, I'm sure it depends, but can you talk a little bit about different scenarios when you're going to make those decisions on the Boise? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love rigging and I think it's just because I call it with my buddies and clients. I'm like, it's time to get naughty because I'm like, <laughs> rigging in time. Oh, I've never heard it. that before, uh, dude. Yeah, it's time to get naughty. Yeah. And so uh, with that, there's different rigging techniques that I love to use. And uh, so it's one of those things where we're always throwing two flies. Throwing streamers, nymphing, dry fly fishing, it's always two flies. Uh, We do run the bigger fly in the front and then I usually tie off the eye or uh, if I'm feeling somewhat confident in casting and I feel like that I can handle it myself or, or not, then I'll put the bigger fly off of a surgeon's tag end and that will be my weighted fly. And then my smaller fly off of that. Uh, and it's kind of hard to tell you instead of just showing you, Uh, rarely do I run, I I rarely just run a tapered leader. Uh, I'm big into butt section of mono and then coming perfection loop and then straight, fluorocarbon if i'm nymphing off of that perfection loop again handshake connection to my first fly and then my second fly the reason why i do that is it takes a lot longer for the mono to sink where the fluorocarbon especially if it's a smaller diameter is going to drop quick and on the boise right now and especially if you're in high water too you want those flies to get down as quick as possible so it's almost works like a hinge uh, the mono slowly sinks, but your fluorocarbon that's maybe 
two, three foot long is going to drop really quick and get right in those fish's faces. Once you put that first mend in, it's going to drop those flies. Uh, but I mean, that's the kind of dumb stuff that every oh, that's good. fly that's fisherman. That's why I'm asking. And, well, yeah, every guide and fly fisherman has their own little like, man, this is the way to do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're not going to catch any fish. And it's like, no, dude, it's it's just what it is. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I do. And, and we actually teach a rigging class. I mean, I'm such into that kind of stuff. I... I love it. And I love showing people, especially, you know, buddies and stuff. They're like, man, what? that's awesome that you didn't show. And it works. <laughs> it works. And so. Do you have uh, the mono going all the jam. way through the guides or is it um, like how much mono, so, like how long is that uh, butt section typically? Depends on how deep of water I'm using. So usually uh, you've got your fly line with the loop already in it. Then I take a a piece of mono, maybe three, four foot, depending perfection loop on both ends, then handshake connection into the fly line. And then you have another, uh, perfection loop at the, the tag end. And I pull off my, however long, usually it's about three and a half to four foot of tippet. And then I put my indicator on the mono so I can move it up and down where the, the fluorocarbon is dropping down. And i put a perfection loop in the tippet and then handshake connection to that mono at there. And then however long I want to run it. And then I can move my indicator up and down on the mono without it being on the, the fluorocarbon because I usually run a pretty good butt section of mono and then three X down to four X. And if it's super small flies, I'll go four X down to five X or keep it at four. I don't usually fish anything smaller than a, uh, like a six X that's, I, I don't do seven, eight, none of that stuff. <laughs> I just, uh, if, if it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, I've learned that lesson. <laughs> so, and that's usually a good way for me to catch a big fish is on seven X tippet. And I can't see those dang flies to put them on there that small anyway. So <laughs> 22 is about the smallest I use. And so, <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, any other tips yeah. on rigging that you want to pass along? It, it sounds like it's something you you really enjoy. Once again, I, I cannot stress this enough is two flies every time, whether it's a dry dropper, uh, nymph rig streamers, big time, double streamers, everything. Every time I throw streamers or swing streamers, except for on a spay rod, I'm throwing double flies, two flies every time, every time. And it's amazing how you get the eats on it. Love it. Okay. Do you, uh, you talked a lot about split shot. Are you ever no split shot and using the weighted flies kind of solely or, you know, tungsten bead heads and stuff? I mean, those are pretty popular and I fish with a lot of, um, split shot myself, I guess. Um, I, I just like to, I like it for a lot of reasons, but I'm curious in your reasons and if you're using, uh, kind of going back and forth and what, what would make you choose one versus the other? So, uh, I do use a lot of, uh, of tungsten bead heads. Um, I do use sometimes with weight, some, sometimes with split shot, sometimes with not, but, uh, some of the waters that we're fishing, you just can't put split shot on it. And, uh, if you put split shot on it, you're just going to be dragging. You've got your indicator at the lowest point that it can go, but you know, there's fish holding in there. And so, uh, I'll take the split shot off. 
Sometimes I'll do a drop shot, which is a small piece of usually 6x tippet off your bottom fly to get it down where the flies are just kind of scooting along on the bottom. I do that a lot on the Oahe uh, as well, but it's just different ways. I mean, sometimes I'll take the split shot and have a longer tag in on my surgeon's knot, tie a knot in that, and then I'll put the split shot on that. So that way the split shot's ticking the bottom, but my flies are holding you oh, that's know, cool. four or five yeah. inches up above it. And I've uh, never done that's that. kind that's of cool. a Euro nymphing kind of thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, there, it's just a lot of stuff and I really highly suggest people try different stuff. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's one of those yeah. things where like, Hey, what's wrong? You're going to lose a couple of flies. That's it's, that's the jam. You know, you're going to lose a few flies and then you'll just be like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so, but keep trying it. I love that kind of stuff. And if you come up with something new, send me an email. I want to see it. I want to see what it's like. I'm, I'm willing to learn. I love it learning. And so <laughs> I love all that stuff. Rob, I'm going to start wrapping it up. But uh, before I ask you my last question, uh, how could people find out more about you? How could they kind of follow along your fly fishing journey? Uh, maybe schedule a guided trip or just uh, if there's anything that you want to pass along that you're excited about, you want people to know about. Sure. Uh, so the easiest way to find me is uh, on Instagram. I am the trout sniper. Uh, feel free to shoot me a follow. Uh, I try to stay up on it, but uh, I'm an old guy, uh, and so it takes me a little bit longer. And if you want to, the easiest way to get a hold of us to book a trip with us is Cascade Angler on Instagram. And uh, you'll have all the information, website, phone numbers, and everything like that on there. And once again, I, I'm not super good at that, but we have a few people that work on the, the Instagram and social media side of stuff. And you can find it on Facebook as well. And that's the easiest way to get in contact with us. And so it's, that's, that's what I would do. And, and then, uh, I just appreciate the time to, uh, come on your podcast and talk with you for a little bit. Uh, it's been a minute since I've done a podcast, been busy, but it's been super nice talking to you and I enjoy it. And I hope that if you ever come into Boise, you give me a shout. You've always got a spot in my boat <laughs> free of charge. Come on over and I'll drag you down the river and try not to kill you. So oh, I'm not worried about that. It would be the, the floaters that I'd be worried about killing <laughs> us. The tubers, are, my parents out there, they're the ones getting in the way. Uh, um, okay, Rob, last question. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. If you could go back to when you first started fly fishing and give yourself two pieces of advice, one more tactical and one more philosophical, what would you tell yourself to help you progress as a fly fisher? Wow. Um, Tactical. Uh, I would say for me, if I could go back and tell myself, when I lived in Tennessee and North Carolina learning how to fly fish, I never nymph fished. It was always dry fly fishing or streamers. I wish I could go back and tell myself, hey, dude, you need to learn how to nymph fish. It is super productive, and uh, I wish that I would have learned that uh, earlier in my fly fishing journey. And uh, philosophical-wise, I would say, I would say, dude, don't be a jerk be nice to everybody on the water, be nice to your friends, be nice to the people that are not as good as you and hang out with people who are better than you. Because if you're hanging out with those people, you're only going to grow as a fly fisherman. Uh, 
I still try to do that. I hang out with a lot of guys that are way better than me. And I wish I would have done that instead of being nervous or scared to ask, you know, the older guy or, you know, some of the people in the fly shops, like I was saying before, uh, hang out with the people that are better than you. Be nice to people on the river. We're all out here for the same reason. We're here to have fun and to catch a few fish along the way. So, I like it. Those are good answers, Rob. Thank you for that. Thanks for all the information you shared today. I had a great time talking with you. It was a wonderful conversation. I Me really too. enjoyed it. And uh, I wish you all the best with your guiding out there and um, positive mental attitude, man. I love that stuff. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun time. Thanks for listening to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. You can learn more about some of the topics we discussed in today's episode show notes. For more fly fishing ideas, stories, and artwork, check out my blog and online gallery at wadeoutthere.com. If you want to make Wade Out There a part of your own fly fishing journey, please subscribe and share. Until next time, Wait out there.